leaves us, that sometimes breaks us down and sometimes builds us up. Um, pray that you'd be with Drew today uh, as he talks through um, the message on the series we've been going over, um, a series that I think is extremely important for a lot of us. Um, pray that you would let it really impact us so that we can have a confidence um, in what's what you say is true about us, um, confidence that isn't based on our emotions um, or uh, the temporary um, that we can set our eyes on um, on your kingdom um, and the promises uh, that you've left us. So uh, please get through the words to say us that you're still here. Amen. All right, so John's, um, just as a quick reminder and review, John is writing uh, to, uh, to a church who's been uh, attacked, uh, they're in division, and um, part of what the uh, divisive, what a, well, part of what the, um, the, the those who have left the church are doing is they're under, they're trying to undermine um, the faith the, these Christians have in this church. And so John writes this letter as a as a um, as a, a means of assurance and as a means of um, giving them. Uh, giving them a foundation um, for uh, a faith that is, uh, that is unshakable. Um, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, we can take, take what John was originally writing and we can apply it to us pretty readily and pretty easily because there's a lot of reasons why Christians today uh, will doubt. Um, doubt our faith in Jesus, um, doubt uh, the vitality of that faith, but doubt the authenticity of that faith. Um, when we see the ongoing sin in our lives, um, when we blow it, when we give in to temptation, when we knowingly sin, um, when, we, when, the, when the choice is right in front of us and we openly pre-meditatively choose to sin and then once that episode is over we often think uh, to ourselves how could I possibly think of myself as a person of faith how could I possibly be a Christian um, when we see uh, sin patterns in our lives um, when God in his kindness and in his mercy shows us and allows us to see deep-setting sin in our lives, in that realization of that sin, in the embarrassment of that sin, in the shame of that sin, it is normal to doubt our faith and to doubt our relationship with Jesus. Um, when we find ourselves daydreaming, planning our sin, um, not just not just being embarrassed of sin that's happened in the past, not just finding ourselves in sin in the future, but proactively premeditating and trying to de de devise ways so that I won't get caught about sin in the future. That I'm I'm premeditatively planning. Um, when I'm actively and maliciously, with malicious forethought, catch myself plotting, uh, it's natural, it's typical, it's normal to say, how could I possibly consider myself in a relationship with Jesus? Um, I don't doubt Jesus. I just doubt my faith in Jesus. Um, we basically just say to ourselves, I'm a, I'm a total wretch. I am broken beyond redemption. Um, 
So does does this is this relevant to you? Is do, does this ever happen to you? Um, is the question. Uh, do you ever, um, like me, uh, from time to time, doubt the vitality of your faith because of the, the sin, the present sin in your life that you are uh, seemingly unable to shake? Do you ever condemn yourself because of your sin? Um, if that is true of, of you or if that is true of someone you love, um, John writes this letter uh, to us. Um, and he is trying to give us a foundation on what we can do with our hearts when our heart condemns us. Um, so we're going to look at this passage. I'm going to break it down. Everything's going to, if you've got your Bibles, um, you can go ahead and just set your focus pretty squarely on verse 19. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, the majority of the sermon is just on that verse. Um, and uh, there's only going to be two points. Uh, don't get too excited, though, uh, because the second point has uh, three sub-points. Um, so, <laughs> um, but <laughs> nonetheless, having said that, two points uh, of the sermon. Um, the first one is, our hearts will try to condemn us. And the second is, what do we do when our hearts try to condemn us? So, pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, so first, our hearts will try to condemn us. Verse 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest uh, in his presence. John presumes that there will be times in our lives, in the lives of Christians, that our hearts will need to be at rest. There will be times our hearts need to be reassured. And verse 20, he tells, uh, he tells us why. Um, it is because our hearts will condemn. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Um, some Christians occasionally experience a condemning heart. Others of us constantly or at least frequently experience a condemning heart. And from what I know, either way, John presumes that every Christian's heart will try from time to time to condemn them. And the specific condemnation that John speaks of is this. So the word that's used here in verse 20, when he says condemn, it's a, con it's a, it's a compound word in the Greek, and it comes from two verbs. The first verb uh, means to know, and the second verb uh, is against. So what, when, when, when John says that our hearts condemn us, he is saying that our hearts are making a case against us. They are bringing up facts like a prosecutor. And what's the goal? Well, the goal is to drive us away from God's presence. Verse 19, John wants... Uh, to see our hearts at rest in his presence, right? That's, that's the phrase, in his presence. And verse 21, we have confidence before God. So the implication here is that uh, condemnation, when our hearts bring a case against us, the condemnation is about trying to expel us from the holy presence of God. 
When our heart condemns us, our heart latches on to evidence in our lives and it declares that evidence to us as reasons for why we are unworthy of being in the presence of God. A condemning heart says, you can't possibly have a relationship with God. Look at all this, look at all these knowledge, look at all these facts that I can bring up against you. A condemning heart doesn't have to make stuff up. A condemning heart takes the truth, the reality, the facts that are in your life, and it makes the case against you. It whispers into your ear, you call yourself a Christian? You lust nonstop. You lie even when you don't need to. When was the last time you prayed anyway? Your faith is just your faith is nothing but a show. You bring it out on Sunday. You are so self-consumed that you don't care about anybody else around you. You just use them. The worst thing is our heart is not just there when we sin publicly. Our heart is there when we sin and no one else knows about it. Our heart is there when we think horrible thoughts. Our heart is there um, when we are plotting sin, when we are plotting deception. It wasn't, there, it wasn't just there in the past when we messed up, when we fell into temptation. Our heart is with us in the present when we're dreaming, lusting about sinning in the future. This is the heart within us that is well-informed, that does not need to lie. It simply just needs to bring up the truth and its efforts to cast us away from a holy God, from a life-giving God, from, a jo- from the joy-inducing presence of God. So, point one. This is the not encouraging part of the sermon. Our hearts will try to condemn us. So, spend the majority of our time on what do we do when our hearts try to condemn us. So given that fact, given that truth, John lays it out, given that, what do we do when our hearts try to condemn us? What, uh, how do we respond? Um, and I think John tells us at least three things here um, uh, that, that we do in response. So number one, we're going to look uh, for the evidence of God's love moving through us. Um, again, verse 19, John wants to reassure our hearts, and he says, This is how you know that we belong to the truth. Now, the this that he's referring to is what happened, what, what John just finished uh, discussing in the verses immediately preceding verse 19. So how do we know uh, that we belong to the truth? We know verse 18. 
that we are loving in action and in truth. Verse 17, that we are opening up our bank account to brothers and sisters in need. Verse 16, that we are living sacrificial lives within community of faith uh, because we have seen and we know the sacrifice that God has made for us. Uh, Verse 12, um, we have a love for growth and righteousness in ourselves, a desire, a passion to, uh, to grow and to, to achieve a higher le- level of sanctification uh, in our lives and in the lives of those that we love. So John doesn't just say, um, tell your heart that Jesus laid, laid down his life for you. John says, no, look at your passion Look at your desire and look at your longing for righteousness. When your heart says, you wretch, look at what you did again. John says, look at the evidence of you laying down your life for others. Look at the evidence of you sacrificing and loving others. That is proof that you truly believe that Jesus laid down his life for you. When when our hearts point out the massive sin in our lives, when our hearts uh, point out the idols, the patterns of sin in our story, and when we begin to sweat, when we begin to fret, when we begin to doubt, John doesn't just say, look and remember that God loves you unconditionally. John says, look at the totality of your life and look for the evidence of you loving others because you have been loved by God. Don't just look at the sin that you committed yesterday. Look at the growth and righteousness that you've received over the past year, over the past two years. Look at the evidence in your life that shows you that you are loving and that you are sacrificing, that you are connecting with other people for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of their well-being. When we sin, the condemning heart wants to shrink our story down to the size of that sin, of that idol, of that pattern. But John is saying we need to zoom out. We need to pan out. uh, And we need to look at more of our story. Of course that sin is not evidence of us experiencing God's love. But that sin is not the totality of the story. We have to pan out and we have to consider the rest of our lives. And since John teaches us in this book that um, there will always be sin in the believer's life, the condemning heart will always have ammunition against us. But one of the things that we do to reassure our hearts of truth is that we look at our lives and we don't just look at one sin. We look at the pattern of God working in us over time. All right, so first, we look at the evidence of God's love moving through us. Secondly, um, we need to stop and listen to our hearts. Stop listening to our hearts uh, and start talking to our hearts. Um, Notice how John presumes that there are at least two yous inside of you. Um, Notice, 
the, the language that, that John uses, the, the one that's condemning, the one that's condemning you, we often say, you know, we, we often use this language and, and it, it's, I suppose, okay to use it, but it's not the language that, uh, that John uses. We often say that the, the enemy is whispering, he's telling me lies. Right, the devil is trying is trying is whispering to my ear, telling me I'm worthless. That's not the language that John uses. John assumes that there are two yous inside of you. Um, it's not someone else condemning you in verse twenty. It's some part of you condemning you. It's not. God or a pastor or somebody in your community that's reassuring you in verse 19, it's some part of you reassuring you. And this fits in with John's overall theology. If we look, if we look both in, in this epistle and in his gospel, um, you know, Christians, according to John, are comprised of two parts, an old self and a new self. An old, old flesh and a new creation. An old nature and a new nature. An old condemning heart and a new heart that is enlivened by God's love and gives love to others. John is speaking of the old heart when he, when he uses the word heart. Um, when the heart is condemning the Christian, stop listening to your heart and start talking to it. When the heart, that is the old self, is on the attack, attempting to drive you away from the presence of God, the appropriate counterattack is not just reassurance. It's not just, there, there. It'll be all right. In, in verse 19, um, when, when, when we read in, in the NIV um, that... This is how we know that what love is. Uh, no, wrong verse. Sorry. Uh, this is how we know uh, what we belong to truth and how we set our hearts at rest. Set our hearts at rest. That's a um, that's an unfortunate uh, translation. Um, what John is actually trying to tell us um, is um, that. The, this word is a, a, a means of a pers persuasion through passionate debate. Then any other time this, this word, this Greek word is used in the New Testament, it's a means of persuasion through debate, like in a courtroom. It's to convince someone through argumentation. This is not um, patting, the, patting the heart on the back, um, this is grabbing the heart by the scruff of the neck. This is not coddling the heart. This is challenging the heart. Um, every other time this word's used, it, it is translated persuade or convince or win over. Um, and, and John is saying there is this passionate debate that has to happen inside of you. When our whole old heart is trying to condemn us, John tells us that our new heart must fight it, must debate it, must argue with it. Scripture 
um, teaches us uh, that in the realm of self-doubt and of self-condemnation, it is hazardous to lazily listen to ourselves instead of passionately arguing with ourselves. And John says that the heart, when the, John says when our heart condemns us, when it goes on the attack, when it brings up its case before God, when it, when it brings the facts up and throws them in our face, John says we have, to, we have to take our heart by the scruff of the neck and we have to tell it to shut up and we have to start talking to it. And then thirdly, so... What do we do when our heart condemns us? We look for evidence of God's love flowing through us. We stop listening to our heart and we start talking to our hearts. Um, and then thirdly, we just lean into God's presence and not away from it. Um, where does this debate happen? Um, where is this courtroom? Um, verse 20 tells us, it indicates to us, it implies to us um, that it's happening in his presence. In God's presence. And, jo- and in verse 20, he says, John tells us, he reminds us that God is stronger than our hearts. He has a higher rank than our hearts. His truth, his declaration is final. Our hearts work kind of like the lower court, uh, condemning us, but God is like the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter what the local judge says about you. The Supreme Court judgment is final. John says, God knows the whole story. God knows your sin better than you know your sin. God knows better than you do that Jesus laid down his life for your sin. God knows that you still, you're still sinful more than you know how sinful you are. God knows that you will sin until the day that you die. God knows better than you know that his powerful grace is upon you and that you are getting better. And John says, grab your heart and turn its face towards the all-knowing God. Of course, he knows all your sin better than you do, but he knows all of Jesus better than you do too. His verdict trumps your experience. His decree is truer and more powerful than your feelings. His word, his word that was so powerful that all of creation came into existence because of his utterance, your lying, condemning heart, those dark clouds of depression, that self-loathing, that does not stand a chance against his word. All right, let's say, let's, let's bring this home. Let, let's say this week, hypothetically, of course, that we fall 
again into sin, that same sin we continue to struggle with. Whatever it is, you look to food to satisfy you in a level that's deeper than it should satisfy you. We exaggerate the truth. We uh, look at porn or act out sexually. You choose work or, or choose playing a game rather than spending time with God. Um, you, you buy another expensive toy or outfit uh, so that you can feel better about yourself. Whatever, whatever it is. Um, let's say we fall into it again this week and now we have this category we have this fact that our hearts will try to condemn us in that moment we experience that condemning that condemning may come to us in different ways we may hear god doesn't love me god's tired of me god knows that i'm not saved i might as well just agree with god it may come something like, you better go do some good things to make up for what you just did so that you can earn your way back into God's presence. If not, God's not going to forgive you. He doesn't want you there until you clean up. Um, it may speak to us, and we may listen to the old heart when it says, uh, you're on probation for a while. One day you may be good enough for God's delight, but right now you're not. So if that happens, when that happens, John teaches us that as we realize that, that this is the old heart condemning us, John says that we need to take the old heart, we need to Take those accusations, those condemnations, you need to take them by the scruff of the neck, turn it around, and put it right into the presence of God. To expose it to the light and to tell, to tell that old heart to shut that hell up. The condemning heart is in some way still of the devil. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago when we, um, when we talked about um, verse 10. Um, and the devil, the accuser, works through our heart to condemn us now with false accusations. Not with false accusations, but with truth. But actually, it's only partial truth. And so John says, tell the old heart to shut the hell up. In the presence of an all-knowing God, in the presence of grace-filled life, talk to, persuade, debate, and argue with that old condemning heart. carried by the Holy Spirit within, empowered by his ministry, say um, that the evidence you have against me, yeah, it's accurate and it's true. I screwed up. I did sin. But Jesus was tempted in every way possible and he never sinned. Don't focus on just that part of my story without focusing on the whole story. God will not agree with you condemning me, condemning me to hell because God sent Jesus through hell for me. 
by the power of God's grace and by His Holy Spirit, you need to know that you are getting better. If you only look at that part of your life, uh, that, that one sin in your life, it will be discouraging. If you only look at that one relationship or that one episode, and we may never mortify completely. We may never, may never kill off uh, uh, completely uh, this particular sin inside this life. But God is putting to death the sinful nature, and we are getting better by His grace through His Holy Spirit. Do you see how dangerous it is? to lazily listen to our old hearts instead of proactively persuading. Not denying the facts, but looking at the whole truth. Because of the complex reality inside of you, you will always either listen to yourself or you will always talk to yourself. When you listen, you will most often hear the condemnation of hell. When you talk, you have the chance to preach the glories of the gospel to your heart. May God help us to do this. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you um, for this teaching that tells us that when we are in your presence, the whole truth is known. Uh, We do sin, um, and we sin in ways that we can never make up for. We do sin uh, in ways that bring uh, condemnation and destruction in our lives, um, and um, and that lead us. Uh, towards death and not life. But in the death of Jesus, we have forgiveness and we have righteousness. We have been adopted into your family. We've been indwelled by your Holy Spirit. We have the hope of eternal life. Thank you when we come into your presence exactly as we are. The fullness of the gospel dwells within us. It covers us. It wraps itself Uh, around us. It convinces us of your love and it moves us forward in hope. Holy Spirit, please this week help us to hear the whispers of the condemning heart and help us to identify the work of the diabolical one inside of us when we believe that we can't be in your presence. Help us uh, to lean into your presence and to enjoy all that we have in Jesus, that we might be humbled by what we have done and yet confident in what you have done and are continuing to do within us. Uh, We pray uh, for the sake and the glory of Jesus. Amen.